What is the real economic value of domestic workers and cleaners? So a study was done by the New Economics Foundation, and for the purpose of our, our conversation, it's worth quoting their spokeswoman who said, pay levels often don't reflect the true value that is being created. As a society, we need a pay structure which rewards those jobs that create most societal benefit rather than those that generate profits at the expense of society and the environment. I think that um, domestic workers are among the, the most undervalued participants of our economy um, because their value extends beyond what they spend or are able to spend in, in rands and cents. Um, and I think they're so integral to our, our productivity that I suspect their actual e- economic output is at least 10 times higher than what it's actually valued and what it's, it's paid. And so uh, we wanted to bring in an, an expert today to kind of help us to, to unpack this a little bit. Um, Tools, don't you want to introduce our guest? Yes, this is definitely a show we've been looking forward to. Um, so we've got in studio Nikki Gadju, and she's a certified financial planner and tax practitioner. She's also director at Opulentus Wealth Management. She's been doing this for 13 years. And she's really passionate about debunking myths, myths around the definition of wealth. She also has a particular interest in females and especially single mothers. Um, and for her, it's a per- personal purpose in her life to promote financial literacy amongst women so that they don't ever have to rely on anyone else um, as a financial plan. So we're really excited to have you here. Thank you for coming. Hi, ladies. Um, hi, listeners. Thank you, ladies. Okay, so, uh, Nick, you feeling good? Can we hit the ground running? Let's hit the ground running. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with the big one, as I sure. often do. Um, how would you articulate the real economic value of domestic workers and cleaners? Okay, so, as you started off saying, um, the monetary value paid to a cleaner or a domestic truly is not a true reflection of their contribution. I think the best way for me to actually illustrate the value is to use an example very close to my heart. I've got a younger brother who's married and he's got a little son who turns two very soon. So when my nephew was born, my sister-in-law spent a few months at home uh, on maternity leave. And during that time period, they got themselves a childminder who came in. Uh, she was trained, got to know the little baby, and off my sister-in-law went off to work. Mm-hmm. Back to the corporate world. So my nephew's nanny is one of the most amazing ladies I have ever, ever met. Mm. By the time my brother and sister-in-law get home by 5, 5.30, after battling hours of traffic to get home, mm. the little boy has been given a bath. He's he's had his supper given to him. Um, he's ready, waiting for his parents. There's mm. a hot meal on the stove, right. waiting for them. During the time period when the little one was taking his little naps, the house was cleaned, um, the okay, clothes so were washed. she's not just the child minder. She's not just the child okay. minder. So she has a dual role okay. of both child minder as well as domestic. Okay. Um, clothes were washed, clothes were ironed. The house is speck and span. Mm. They just walk in, rough day, etc. have dinner, play mm. with the baby. Mm. At a certain time, the nanny gets her dinner and off she goes. Mm. She actually lives mm. on the premises. Mm. So for a couple like that, they often say that they actually pay her less than what she's worth. Mm, because she enables them, right? She enables them. My sister-in-law, as a female, gets the opportunity to go out into corporate yeah. and make a name for herself. Right. She gets an opportunity to grow herself from a career and a professional perspective. She also earns an income which contributes to the household income. Mm. My brother, on the other hand, a lot of pressures relieved from him, be it financial, emotional, etc., because mm. he doesn't come home to a situation where, okay, it's Monday night, tonight's my time, my turn to give the baby a bath mm. and feed the baby, etc. 
all of that's already done. Mm. So how do you actually calculate that value mm. into a daily monetary value? Mm. You just can't. Mm. I mean, let's talk broader. Let's talk about the cleaners. Mm. I spent many years at corporate before I exited to start up my own practice. And one of the nicest things to walk into a corporate building is the cleanliness. Absolutely. You know, everywhere you look around you, it's clean, it's nice. Yes, you want to be there. It's a great start to the morning. You go up to your office, uh, put down your… part of the sales pitch. Part of the sales pitch, mm. you know, you put down your laptop bag. The first thing you head for is the coffee, the coffee area, mm. spick and span, clean. There's milk, there's coffee, sugar, everything that you need. Mm. After the coffee break, first stop is the bathroom. And what a pleasure mm. to go into a bathroom that's spick and span, hygienic, etc. After you stop at the bathroom, back to your desk, ready to begin the day. Absolutely. And I think a lot mm. of people don't actually see that value. And how much more productive it can make you. Because if, it, if any of those links were missing, it can completely throw you off. But Correct. W- but what I wonder is, isn't it because it's missing? Because you don't feel the weight of having to keep things clean. You don't feel the weight of having to, um, you know, be in control of both your life at home and your life at work. But it's Be- taken for granted. Yeah. yeah. They, I mean, they 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 forget the weight of it, so they forget the value as well. I think you are quite right, and that's sometimes translated by the way some people treat cleaners mm. and the way they look down at them and uh, the the just just the general disrespect because you're a cleaner. It is your role to clean up after me. Mm. You know, I mean, a lot of us were brought up in homes where if you clean, if you mess up, you clean after yourself. Yeah. And you find people come to corporate, they behave very poorly. They're in the kitchen area. They spill coffee. Oh, no, let's call the cleaner. Exactly. She must come through. They almost shadow us, right? They're yes. an extension of us all, both mm. at home and at work. Yes. And, I mean, what you touched on when you were describing that, that experience in a corporate office is is twofold and maybe even more than that first of all there's um an hr component right where it's about um the the employee experience and how yes. do you get the most of, out of your your employees yes. you put them in a, a comfortable correct con- environment that's that's conducive to their productivity and that's where things like um the coffee and the tea come in as well as you know the removal of 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 refuse yes you know because office environments are can be quite i mean maybe less so nowadays but are paper intensive yes um and it's difficult to be productive in that kind of mess and then there's you know the the lavatory the toilet like you most importantly and people (laughs) undervalue um the the importance of a, a clean toilet you know because if you're avoiding going to the toilet say you're anywhere in a public space at work even at home and you're not comfortable using the toilet, that means you're, you spend a lot of time pressed and yes. avoiding going. And we all know how being pressed, um, really steals from your, <laughs> from your productivity and like your, your general functioning, right? It's almost like being hungry. <laughs> it's one of those things that is an absolute need. So there's the employee experience and then there's the marketing experience right where a corporate must market itself to guests to maybe potential clients to customers you know the commercial space that are external facing like shops right and hygiene and cleanliness is such an important part of marketing so those are two components of commerce already hr and marketing that these women are essentially a part of but not being necessarily recognized for oh that's interesting so do you think they could tap into those industries as well as part of their pay. That, Certainly, they could definitely not? get their budget from that there. That's right? very interesting. But you know, then I want to I want to ask, how is economic value determined? Because you say you know th- their input in our everyday lives is so great that it's almost you know impossible to actually determine the true value of all their input. But how how is economic value determined then? It's generally determined uh, based on service in relation to time. Mm. Hmm. That is just the most general basic definition. Why do you think then if it's service in relation to time, it's also, I mean, I guess, what makes a service valuable? How do we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's something that's personal because each one has their personal values. For me, hygiene is very important. Mm. And we spoke about the bathrooms and sanitation. Mm. For me, that's exceptionally important. How then do we justify to ourselves uh, paying so little for what is 
clearly such a valuable job. How do we get away with that as an economy? Unfortunately, we're getting away, which is sad. Mm. And I think there's definitely need for us to take it to a higher platform where we say, you know what, forget about fees must fall, etc. We are saying hashtag um, salary increases to domestic workers and cleaners. I love it. I love it. Mm. I think it could really catch on. I think it's a really powerful movement. I think it could movement. really catch on. And I think if every corporate just donates, be it one percentage extra mm. of their bottom line towards <clears throat> a domestic or a, or a cleaner's mm. salary, it will certainly make a huge difference in their lives. But you know mm. what? I think we still have to go back to value because we see that a lot of, a lot of different um, industries keep complaining and saying our value is a lot greater than the money we will ever receive, right? Mm. And then at most, maybe they'll give them a 5% increase if they choose to be kind or whatever. But the devaluation of their role in society and in that industry is still devalued. How do we change what value means? It's a perception by society that these are people who are blue colored workers and people mm. who are just manual laborers mm. so they just see it as something manual and what else can they you don't deliver? see the qualitative they value they don't see the qualitative uh-huh. value to it mm. you know and that that or they see it but they don't attach it they don't attach it right, right? but also we can go a step further yes we are speaking right now about domestic workers and cleaners mm. the next level is your teachers your policemen mm. etc and your nurses mm. and these people as well this very same situation what is their economic value in relation to the income that they take home on a monthly basis mm. then you have other countries be it first world countries etc where your teachers and your nurses are highly paid and seem to be highly skilled people mm. there are countries where your security guards, your domestics, etc., earn more than admin workers. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to say is it's a uniquely South African situation. Interesting. Okay. okay. Right? Uh-huh. Because globally, you can do research, just get onto Google. You know, there are some countries that really, really value the services of your teachers, your nurses, your domestic workers, etc. They're seen in a very different light. So how much of this has to do... I guess you're talking about our values as a society. Our values as a society is one right. where we've attached the lowest value to certain professions. Okay. And how much do skills have to do with this? Because I wonder, for instance, I can see there's so much for me about a domestic worker's job, though not currently treated professionally, um, that can definitely be developed that way. Right. Um, and I, I, I suspect that a, a large part of it has to do with the fact that they don't go to school to do what they do. Um, however, for me, they, om- they almost deserve on- honorary certificates because every day they're teaching themselves on the job, you know, and they're catching all kinds of curveballs. And um, increasingly, when they become involved with a family, they do more and more for that family. Right. But I wonder, is it because this work hasn't been certified? They haven't. We haven't developed a, a, a curriculum. We haven't developed That's programs yeah. um, to legitimize it as I, skilled work, even though it is so highly skilled, in my opinion. So I think but it's a, self-taught. A lot of it does speak to that because there are a lot of agencies out there where you can get a domestic worker who offers, who's certified in first aid and who has a driver's license, etc. But you're not paying 200 rands per month for her. Mm. You're paying a much higher rate. So certainly, per hour. Oh, sorry. No, per day. Per day, <laughs> per day, <laughs> per day, <laughs> you know, and, uh, Certainly skills and education and that certification has a huge role to pay uh, to. Okay, but then how mm-hmm. if a uh, why, for instance, would they pay a soccer player who did not study for their skill, but is highly skilled? Why do they get paid high? But a domestic worker who tra- is also not, you know, qualified, but highly skilled. Their training is quite formal, though. I find that athletes get paid higher the more formally they train. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. But now. I wonder, could we bump this role up a class? Yeah. If it was certified. If we just did certain aesthetic things. 
So here's the thing: in terms of certification, their skill is more practical,、mm. right? There's no need for the academic,、mm. right? But slight academic is great. Some domestics and cleaners are literate; others are not. But、mm. Maybe to some people it matters, to others it doesn't. But certainly, if there is a practical course that a person goes through, and you've got your certificate that says I'm a certified domestic worker,、mm. and based on that, you'll know、mm. your daily rate, etc., is an X amount. That will definitely help. Okay. And also, it will give them the recognition、mm. and acknowledgement that no longer exists. Because right now, whether you're a domestic worker who's finished grade ten or grade twelve, or who has zero literacy. You all classed as the same. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it, ladies, has to do with society and the misperceptions of society. So now, tell me, what kind of, <laughs> what kind of services, what kind of roles do we value in our society? Do you find what are the trends that you notice? The trends that I notice is the only roles that get valued in society, unfortunately, are those where there is some sort of technical or academic training. Mm-hmm. If you have, if you're a person who's got a degree, forget about a primary degree. If they see you've got an honors or a masters, automatically you find、um, a person's attitude towards you changes. Yes, you know, and it all comes down to the society thing. And I can share various examples with you. When I generally meet people,、mm. I just introduce myself as Nikki. Nothing else about my academics, etc., etc. But throughout the conversation, certain things come out. I never ever tell people about my academics, my experience, that type of thing. So people just see you as Nikki, you know.、Mm. But the minute people hear from others, oh, but do you know she's a certified financial planner? <laughs> do you know she's done this? People's attitude towards, towards change. me changes. changes, and I ask、yeah. why. Just because I've got a piece of paper. You know why? What makes me different from any other? So this、person? is interesting to me because I, for the past year, have been appearing because I've been on a writing sabbatical. Oh, shame on you! Shame <laughs> on you! How dare you? <laughs>、um, anyway, so this is what I've been doing for the past、uh, year or so、um, to sustain myself while I write and I do more creative things,、um, and. It's not dissimilar to the role of domestic worker at all. Actually, a lot of you know half of my job is probably done by the the domestic worker in the home, right?、Um, and actually, a lot of people don't have all pairs and just rely on their domestic workers. But I'm not certified. Okay, I've done some studying. I've done work that's unrelated to childcare. But just because I come in as myself, you know, I. I I present myself the way that I, I speak, the way I do, right? I speak the way I do, and I come in the clothes that I do, and I、in、drive the, the drive the car that I do.、Mm. I am paid probably twice as much, if not more, than the domestic worker. I don't cook, I don't clean, I don't bath the children, right? Mostly, I do homework and I drive. Perception. Perception, perceived value, and I mean it's so strange to me because you get increasingly you have domestic workers with driver's licenses, right? And so that means that there really is no difference between you and the au pair. But just because of that profiling, they themselves don't identify as au pairs; they identify as domestic workers. When essentially they could, you could have two people doing the same exact work, right? And just the the title. Is different because they don't value themselves enough to think of themselves as au pairs, and au pairs almost value themselves too much to think <laughs> of themselves as domestic workers. It's it's very strange, and so it's two camps of people doing very similar work, and the difference is aesthetic. There's a lot of agencies out there. Where you can contact them and actually hire a domestic via them.、Mm. So why are those agencies more successful as opposed to the domestic marketing themselves by themselves?、Mm. Because most of those agencies are owned by people 
who have marketing skill, mm. um, skills as entrepreneurs, business owners, etc. And they are looking at it from a different perspective as opposed to the domestic worker. Mm. So if a domestic worker may profile themselves, they may not do it in an attractive manner mm. as which the mm. agency through which they apply for the job does it because mm. the agency takes a cut of the daily um, rate that the helper gets and it's in the agency's best interest to market the domestic as best as they can. Mm. Whereas the domestic, uncertain, you know, if Nikki's paying me 200 rands per day, if I don't take it, I may not get another job and I need this 200 rands to help me for X, Y, Z. So I think not only are they undervalued in, in their role, but I find that the working class are undervalued in terms of their spend, their money. You know, if you had to um, almost <laughs> some, <laughs> it's so strange, <laughs> but like two people can have the same amount of money and somehow one person's money is worth more. <laughs> Absolutely. <yes. laughs> Bali, let me get started. <laughs> oh, does that so, make sense? I thought I was mad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like she's arrived. <laughs> I have arrived. Okay, great. Touched on a topic very close to my heart. Um, so my company's called Opulentus Wealth Management. And if you go through the site... We talk about the definition of wealth management. There is a perception out there that if you have an X net asset value and earn an X amount of income, uh, etc., and if you a certain look, etc., that you are perceived to be wealthy. Mm. That is the perception emphasis on the word perception. So I've dealt with clients for many years. I didn't just start up um, in my first job and start dealing with high net worth clients. It came as I progressed in my career. Mm. And in my years of experience, I will illustrate two examples to you. So you've got client A who earns 4,000 rands per month. After all her expenses are paid, she's got disposable income of 2,000. Then you've got client B who earns 150,000 rands per month. After all her debit orders go off, etc., she's got no disposable income and her overdraft kicks in. Mm. Now I ask you this question, ladies. Between the two, who has more wealth? Wealth is linked to disposable income and not what these LSM people look at okay. in terms of Earnings. So the first is earning two. The first is earning four thousand rand. Correct. Is left with two thousand rand disposable income. Correct. What is the second one earning? One hundred and fifty per month. One hundred and fifty thousand. One hundred and fifty thousand per sure. month. Okay. Highly affluent. After all the debit orders go off, there's no disposable income. She kicks into overdraft. So who actually is more wow. wealthy? How, how does there you go? And who would I choose as mm. a client? That's interesting. How does how does someone get to that stage where they own so much? Okay, I'm assuming that maybe they're living beyond their means. Is that? Uh, Talisa, you're speaking about South Africans. So let me tell you a few things I've picked up mm. over the last few years. South Africans are either keeping up with the Kumalos mm. or the <laughs> Naidus. Mm. It's mm. as simple as that. Or the Krugers. It just depends which race group you are. And people just try to keep up with each other, right? Mm. And maybe now's a good time to maybe speak about the black middle class and the sandwich generation, etc. Please do, please do. Because you find young graduates, you finish your B degree, you've moved into your honors. Because, I mean, face it, these days, even with a B, de with a B degree, you're not even getting an entry role, right? Mm, yeah. You finish your honors, etc., off you go into the working world, you get your first job, hopefully on a grad recruitment program, a learnership, etc. You're earning an income, which is something you've never had before. Yay! <laughs> so how do we spend our first paycheck? And ladies, mm. this is where it begins and it ends. Mm. Because what you do with your first paycheck 
will 99.9% dictate what you do with the rest of your paychecks until retirement. Wow. But really, even if they see the first time that it doesn't work, this is a mess, <laughs> they will it's still true. continue. It's they true. will continue because if with your first check you say, yes, this is it. After struggling adversity for four years, etc., I've got my first paycheck, so I've got a net of 20,000 rands per month. What is the first thing most people go and buy? Is it a house or an apartment? Absolutely not. not, not it's all. my first car. Yes. And what car? Is it something functional, a little Hyundai <laughs> i10? No, 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 please. We want to move to something more upper class. Mm. You know, let's get a Ford Fiesta, etc. Hey, if we can offer, if we can afford a one series or perceive that we can uh, afford a one series BMW, etc. Mm. Hey, let's go and get it. Mm. Forget the fact that almost 50, 60% of your salary is going towards the payment of the car, the maintenance, mm. and the petrol or diesel, etc. Mm. People do that because they want to keep up with their peers, so this is, other people. This is interesting, this um, topic around what people are doing with their salaries, however much they earn. Because I think that a domestic worker's salary goes a long, a long way, way, a really, really long way. Um, mm. First of all, because they don't have this pressure of keeping up with the Kamalos. Uh, secondly, because uh, these women are often the backbone of their, their families and their communities, right? Um, and they're educating their kids to break a cycle of poverty. And so I want you to speak around the importance of of in that demographic of women, the importance of a, a woman's salary in that demographic, if you can. The importance of a woman's salary. And in general, but yes. And mm-hmm. in general, is so, so key because a lot of these women are often single mothers. And a lot of these women, apart from taking care of their own kids, take care of extended family members, whether it's the um, child of a sister who's now... Um, move to the Eastern Cape, etc., or whether it's extended parents, etc. So their salaries have a huge impact in terms of the econ- uh, uh, in terms of our economy. They really contribute in a way which others may think is unnoticeable, mm. but it's far from unnoticeable. And our stability as a society, right? And our stability as a society. You know, as I said earlier on with that example, these are the people who sit with greater disposable income mm. than your white-collared workers. Yeah, it's not only fascinating, but it is true, and I've experienced it. And also, apart from domestics, you know, I've seen it with other clients, like nurses, like teachers, police officers, etc. These are clients who will say to you, "Hey, listen, I've got five thousand. What investment can I look at?" Mm. Whereas your white-collared worker, even for them to put away a thousand rands, is a thousand too much. It is so true. Sorry, I speak from experience. (laughs) (laughs) It is so true. And sometimes I wonder where the hell the money is going. I can't tell sometimes. So it's actually very simple. They live within their means. That's amazing. Is it because they know fundamentally they do not earn a lot, so the pursuit of things beyond their means is not there? amazing at budgeting. Like there is, I mean, some of the most sophisticated budgeters I've ever met earn the least. And is that why? So you're, topping, uh, you, you're touching on another topic that's very, very close to my heart, which is budgeting. Mm. For a lot of educated people who are listening in, they're more than likely going to think, oh, please, budgeting. Everyone does budgeting. But there's two types of budgeting. There's budgeting in your head where you have an idea of what you earn and what your expenses are. And then there's the real budgeting where you put pen to paper and you write down how much you earn and how much you spend. Mm. Therein lies a huge difference because mm. the mind, ladies, mm. tricks you. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. the mind tricks you oh, into believing that you've got more disposable income than mm. what you actually do. Mm. Whereas when you put pen to paper, you actually see the reality. It's a hard truth. It's a <laughs> hardcore truth. Yeah. And what I admire and appreciate about domestic workers is when they draw up their budgets, 
They will account for everything mm. from taxi fare to the groceries to electricity to paying for school or for kids' crash fees, school fees, etc. By the cent, they budget everything. So do you think that domestic workers could actually help the households that they work for use their money better? Could they be empowered to do that? That's something we're very excited by, the thought of. (laughs) I would uh, absolutely love to be involved in a test pilot project Mm. where we could actually test that. I would absolutely love to. You know, let's do it. Because we we recently had a conversation... um, we're we're trying to launch a, a what are we calling it a segment of our overall show let's yes. call it a, a like a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can't figure out what to call it episode a monthly season. segment <laughs> you don't know and our show yes. called more many more problems right and it's often assumed I that love it I <laughs> <laughs> okay. think it's fitting it's o- very fitting often assume that um, money. Uh, makes things easier, but we, you know, some of the most stressed people I know have a lot yeah. of money. Um, and it just seems to get worse. And so what we want is domestic workers to come in from an advisory point of view to comment on household South Africa and where they can be saving money and, and, and spending it better. Uh, because they, you, they observe so much of our waste. Ambali, I don't think you actually understand, um, what you've actually touched on and how huge it is. So let's take a household right? <laughs> guess, yeah. and where you have a, a domestic. I'll use myself as mm. an example. So I live by myself. I've, I've got my domestic. She's been with me for the last five years. And she often tells me if we happen to see each other, you know, as she's coming in or leaving and I'm there. And she actually tells me, Nikki, uh, You've bought too much of surf, and uh, in future, I will tell you when we need surf. Mm. She will look at my cupboard, and she will say to me, you should not be buying canned foods because for the last few months, I've been throwing them out because they expire. Wow. Right? This is my Mm. domestic, Mm. right? That's amazing. And then she will say to me, are you aware that you had purchased bedding uh which you have not used are you aware that you have got three or four sets of bedding that has not been opened or used don't you think that you should be purchasing new curtains because it's time to change the curtains (laughs) that is incredible with my domestic went on maternity leave for three months it was three of the most stressful months for me because <laughs> I can truly say that I rely on her oh. to run the household. She's very precious to me. She's been with me for a number of years. And uh, yes, we have our ups and downs, etc. Sure. But she manages the household. And it's but, not a, uh, just a, her practical contribution, right? It's not just her hands, but it's her insights. It's her insights. I mean, to say to me, and then obviously you look at the prices of the bedding and whatever, mm. you know, one was like 500 rands, the other was a thousand. And then I thought, Okay, within these four sets of bedding, there's about 2,500 sitting here. Oh, so yes, I'm a certified financial planner. Clearly, (laughs) I could have used it for something else. But do you think as a society we're humble enough to accept the council? So I certainly am, but that's the person that I am. And Mm. uh, I don't, I think we pass this age where we've got to look at things like ego, age, Mm. race, Title, that type of thing. I mean, Mm. some of the greatest life lessons I've actually learned from cleaners at work. I've learned from security guards, etc. Yes, we continue to. Yeah. Okay, so these women in your mind could be expert um, advisors on household budgeting. I think if you had to give 2,000 rands to your domestic and just give her a a basic list of what you need, right? And say to her, here's the car, go to a pick and pay, Woolies spa, whatever, and bring back these items. She'll save you. She will bring you (laughs) money back. If you had to go there, you will use that 2,000 and an extra (laughs) 1,000 rands. You'll probably end up leaving things at the till if that's all you have. (laughs) 
There you go. But you know what, Nikki? Can you see the power in it? Yes. But, but Nikki, what also worries me about the fact that there's such good budgeters and very good at spending money wisely is won't employers think that that's actually all they need then. They need that little. And so won't they think that, you know, why, why must I increase their pay if they're so good at managing very little? So I think here we need government to assist us yeah, as well. That needs to be regulated you know, because for sure. It needs to be regulated. Mm. It needs to be regulated. They need to speak out. And also we as well, we need to support this. I'd also like to offer a very different take on this. Mm. So when my domestic was on maternity leave, I was using friends, family, whomever, just to get their domestics in, just to assist. Now, by all means, am I not saying that I'm lazy, etc. <laughs> you know, I am a working girl after all. But anyway, so um, I really missed her. I missed her contribution. I missed the fact that she just comes in and she knows exactly what mm. to do. Literally one year ago, I moved houses. And my domestic was a person who packed up everything. And when we moved to the new place, she unpacked everything. You know, I was just there. Seriously. I was just there. <laughs> she did everything. For the first two weeks, I'd have to call her every time and say to her, okay, where are the towels? Where did you put this? She literally packed up one home and unpacked the other. That is how much I value her, and I show her how I value her in different ways, mm. be it the bonuses that I pay her, uh, be it the things that I buy her. She's got a little child right now, just gave birth uh, two or three I months ago, okay. the things that I give to her. But that's just the person I am. To me, she is worth her weight in gold, literally. Mm. Because for me to now start the process, to go to an agency, mm. interview a few different helpers. Build trust. Build yes. trust. Have a person come in, take them through the house, let them know exactly how I like my shirts ironed, mm. let them know exactly when to clean the cupboards and 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 just to do things that I like. For me, it's that time. And right now, I do not have that time. So I'm saying I will pay for time. Mm. I do not mind That's all people paying want to pay for, for time. Yeah, it's true. To get time back. For me to now, okay, so just to put clothes in the, in the wash and get it out and dry it and now take it to have it ironed, etc. It takes a lot of time. And that comes to the earlier part of our discussion in terms of what is the value. Yeah. You know, mm. there's a huge element of time. Yeah. And I am willing to pay to get back time because mm. it allows me to do different things mm. in my life or get to the things that I don't have time to do. Imagine on a Saturday if you've got to get up and now you've got to clean the house, wash the dishes, etc., etc. Saturday is my errand day. Mm. Yeah. You know, that is when whatever I need to do during the week, I can't get to it. I do it on a Saturday. But now if I don't have a domestic and I need to get up and do it, yes, I can do it, you know, but it's that opportunity cost. Absolutely. It's that time. Absolutely. But, you know, there remains a difference in appreciation between uh, valuing her as a person and valuing her as a functional tool, you know, and um, and often when one is not valued as the human that she is, so maybe a mother and a wife and those sort of things, but rather as the person gives you time, you know, that also um, reflects on the pay. Um, so do you think enough people respect domestic workers as the people that they are or, or are they often valued as functional things more than they people. don't unfortunately in south africa majority of the households see a domestic as a functional worker hmm. but i think that's our uh, i think that's kind of our work mentality in general here hmm. you know i find that in the most sophisticated of corporate spaces you are just a number hmm. and in a institution a university institution you are a student number do you know what I mean? Mm. And I think it's just, yeah. <laughs> this is we're just becoming increasingly distant from one another. Technology is not helping. Now you barely ever have to deal yes. with a human, ever. <laughs> um, and so in many ways we've just become mechanized. 
I guess soon we'd have robo maids, hey? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, but yeah, okay. Um, now speaking about, about their uh, natural kind of built-in budgeting skills and their natural intuition, I want to ask you a question about African financial practice because I think it's very, very unique. And maybe you see that culturally, mm-hmm. there must be differences with your clients, right? That are just built in. To their culture. Yes, there are um, cultural so differences. What do you have some unique characteristics of African financial practice? There's two. Um, one's exceptionally positive and one is exceptionally negative. Mm. Should I go with the good or the bad? <laughs> St- start with the good news. No, the okay. bad, the bad. <laughs> <laughs> the good news. So Okay, no, the bad. The okay, bad. Okay, the bad, bad news. Um, one of the very negative financial practices um, that I see amongst the black culture in our country is the concept of micro lenders. I believe they called machinisas. Machinisas, yeah. Yes. Mm. And uh, is that because it's a myth? I mean, you know, from my sheltered um, <laughs> upper, uh, emphasis on the word class. sheltered. Sheltered upper middle class. Emphasis <laughs> on the word sheltered. Like I wa- yes, from your sheltered background, <laughs> M. I, mean, so, I, I watch, I watch, I watch these things on TV. You know, on like <laughs> SABC on Sophie, and so like <laughs> I know, I know about it in theory, but I've always I wondered if it's a myth or if it's like a reality. So. It is a reality. Mm. Um, you have lived a sheltered life. <laughs> um, why is it a reality? Well, if it, uh, never mind. I well, how, how, say does, how does it work? Can you just quickly break okay, it down? Okay, very for us? briefly from my limited knowledge. Um, so why do I say it is a reality when we often engage with clients? Um, we ask them for their pay slips because mm. you'd often ask clients, oh, what do you earn? You know, as I said, what's in the mind and what's on paper differs. Yeah. No, I earn 30000 per month. Then you look at the salary slip actually far from 30000 you know. So a lot of um, micro lenders put stock orders through um, through the person's uh, salary. So really? the the day if you're getting paid on the first of each month, the stop order will first go off to pay your loan obligation, right. and then the balance so these are, is your salary. Are these formal um, mm. micro institutions? Formal formal oh, okay. micro institutions. Okay. Yeah. All right, I thought you were talking about... So it is still uh, regulated by the um, National Credit Regulator, right? Mm -hmm. But what uh, is the risk with these things? What is the the, danger? The danger with this is clients never come out of debt because the minute Mm. a loan is paid, then they give you more credit. And let's face it, ladies, there are always life emergencies. Yeah, Yeah, never not, eh? You know, so... There will always be a need for you to go back to the micro lender to increase that two thousand. And this is an emphasis on the word micro mm. to increase that amount of two thousand five hundred to three thousand rands for just an extra five hundred. Hey, uh, the interest rates are regulated by the National Credit Regulator and the National Credit Act, etc. But these are very high rates of interest. Are they higher than bigger institutions? High- most cases, yes. So, what is the what is the risk that comes with going to a micro lender as opposed to a bank? So, maybe not the risk. The advantage of going to a, a micro lender is chances of a client getting granted credit is far higher oh, okay. as opposed to the bank. But doesn't that mean that sometimes they don't have a choice? So that's the reason why these micro lenders continue to become stronger and stronger because Mm. clients do not have a choice. Obviously, from a bank perspective, you don't want to take on potential bad debt. Mm. But they won't let you either. And they won't let you either, you know. But then of recent, I see some of the banks even offer ATM loans. So I'm not a great fan of that, you know. And it's such a catch-22 situation because on one end, I come from a perspective where we want to create awareness to get clients to embrace financial freedom. So get rid of as much debt as Mm. possible. And then on the other hand, you have it be it your banks, your micro lenders, et cetera, who are forever offering credit and in some situations making it very easy for people to obtain credit. Right. So is this because um, in our country, black people – 
sort of as a whole earn the least. And therefore, they're more vulnerable to credit or susceptible to taking on too much credit? Or is this an, a cultural thing where I find a lot of the time um, Western financial practices may be not compatible with, with African culture? You know, maybe we, we're just not credit smart. Is it that? So, they, you, you know, there's a lot of things um, that we can discuss here, mm. right? So the first thing is it's no longer a cultural thing. Let me tell you whether a client's black, white, colored, Indian, etc. Mm. Everyone out there has loans, mm. Mm. be it micro loans, loans at banks, etc. It's just the amounts, etc. that differs in the institution from which they have it, right? Mm. And this speaks to a greater problem in our country, which is the problem of the lack of financial literacy, education, and the lack of savings, mm. right? So that's one particular aspect. So something very important is if you look at the black middle class or if you look at domestics, etc. So let's look at domestics, right? Mm. Their parents were more than likely also domestics, mm. right? And that is how they got into the role. Your mom's now reaching retirement yeah, stage. Exactly. You, you 2021, 20, etc. You take over her role. Mm. And so it continues, right? Mm. So here's the question. So for the young lady now who's 22, who's taken on the role as domestic, what has her mother taught her? Mm. You know, yeah. has her mother taught her to budget? Has her mother taught her that if you run out of money before you earn your salary, go to the micro lender. Mm. They will help you bridge that gap. Mm. So everything comes down to what we taught at home, mm. right? And if at home our teachings are, of financial uh, and the financial literacy we get at home is very basic or if it's more um, steered towards spending as opposed to saving. Mm. Guess what, ladies? We grow up as adults and follow the same pattern okay. until we become aware of it and we choose to break that pattern. Sure. Mm. The good news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's end the show off with good news. There's something about... The black culture that has really, really fascinated me and it really touches my heart in a very big way. There is the concept of stock files. I was going to say to you that was going to be my last question. (laughs) It's going to be what is the power of the stock file? Okay, I beat you to it. (laughs) So, you know, sometimes you, you read research from large companies and they say South Africans don't have a savings culture and they bring it down to particular LSMs, almost alluding that it's more your sort of black clients, etc. you know. But here's the thing, ladies, I wonder where do they get this research from? <laughs> you know, I, I would love someone to show me how they got this research yeah. because most black clients, especially your cleaners, your gardeners, your domestic workers, etc. These people belong to some sort of stock fell mm. or the other. Mm. And you know what? They don't belong to one stock fell. They mm. generally belong to two or three different stock fells. Wow. I have heard. I really want to get in on that. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I feel so deprived. <laughs> I have heard stories where stock fells have successfully contributed towards the festive period, mm. you know, and the Christmas lunches and dinners and New Year's Eve parties, etc. And thereafter, funding school kids' uniforms, mm. books, school fees, etc. in Jan. You oh, know, well. I've heard of stories where... Jan, when, when we're all poor. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I've heard of stories where stock files have funded Lebola. Lebola with damages, you know. Wow. Stock files have funded... Bricks, cement, timber, etc., mm. to build houses. But I just want to know how they regulate this because everyone is putting money in. How do they decide where it goes? So you and me both, if I could really get that right, it would be uh, worth more than any academic degree to me. <laughs> it's interesting because I've spoken to different clients. Doesn't it work? It, isn't it like, what is it called? Um, it's like, almost like my... Mac, what's, 
Crowd, yes, that's the word. <laughs> like, um, almost like crowd investing or crowd saving, where everybody pays a certain amount. Mm. There's ten of us. We each pay a certain amount. Um, say it's a hundred rand every month. Mm. Okay, and then the thousand rand. So a hundred times ten is a, mm. a thousand, and then the thousand rand goes to one person. Oh, really? Each year, and then it alternates. Yes. Yes, oh, that's how, how it how works. It works. Yeah. Yeah. But what's fascinating is the mechanics behind it. Mm. How they know who to pay, how they collect exactly. everything, exactly. how they build that in is the annual inflationary mm. increases is absolutely mind-blowing. Mm. Oh, wow. But they do it with such great ease mm. and they do it with such great honesty. Mm. And that for me is one of the most Amazing practices mm. that I have found. It's probably the most powerful thing I think about African communities that they're so well networked. It's so interesting because they, we talk so much about how black people don't want to help other black people out. You know, we're not to speak No, but I mean, it's, it, this is a middle class disease <laughs> that you're referring oh. to. <laughs> no, ladies, you know, I, I, I beg to differ on a daily basis. I see the culture of Ubuntu come through various people. Yeah. You know, I is it see still it. Alive? It is still alive and kicking, or maybe I choose to actually. I see think it. you choose to see it. I think it definitely is still. It, this, it still exists. I think it dwindles as you move up the socioeconomic socioeconomic ladder, though. But isn't it also because people are demanding so much of you? Yeah, exactly. No, look, be, there, 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 there are probably a million reasons. But I find that on the ground, at, at grassroots, it's, it's at its strongest in those communities. Hmm. It is very strong at grassroots level. Amazing uh, discussion. Yeah, you know, all for stock files, it's absolutely amazing. Um, you know, sometimes, so when I see a client and I think, wow, there's so much. And that's why I say, you know, you learn from all types of people. And some of the greatest life lessons I've learned hasn't come from people who are senior managers or people who are professionals, etc. It's from people who are domestics, people who are blue-collared workers, for want of a better word. But it's also, I guess, a personal thing because I choose to open myself up to learnings. And that's mm. why we chose to have you here and we are <laughs> so grateful for your time and for your counsel. You really yeah. this has been such an insightful discussion. You're so evolved as a, a human being and as a, a thinker. You know? Have you ever had that compliment You're before? I've never had that compliment. <laughs> no, Thank you. I so gracefully accept it. If I may, just one last thing. Mm. And uh, something for the listeners to think about. Um, yes, you know, we, we post-1994 and still there's a lot of talk about the black middle class and race and inequality, etc. Being in the role that I am, money knows no color. Mm. Money has no color. Mm. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you so much. And thank you to you guys for listening. As always, thank you to my co-host, Lisa Cindy. Um, we will catch you later on the main sessions with Cliff Central. Please make sure to follow our Twitter page on at Made Project, M-A-I-D-E Project. And also make sure to follow our Facebook page, which is simply The Made Sessions, M-A-I-D-E as well. Have a lovely evening. Cliff Central. The revolution. I've got something important to tell you. Cliff Central. Dot com.